Good morning. Today I want to wrap up a short series on Giving 2.0, and I want to catch you up to speed on where we're at, because we've got a lot of ground to cover today, and I want to get it done in a way that hopefully not only conveys God's truth to you, but also is relevant and you understand why. I'm really big on you understanding why you do what you do. And so today we're just going to kind of look at just a part of that. Last week we looked at the first place giving was mentioned in the Bible in Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 through 20. And the core truth that we walked away with was simply this, we give because we're blessed. And so the very first place in scripture where giving is mentioned, it is giving in the context of the blessings of God given to us. Now, when we talk about giving to God, as I kind of look back at last week's message, I just want to make sure you understand that it's not ours and we give a part of it back to God. I hope you understand that it's all his and we give a part of it back to him. Abraham gave a a tithe, the tenth. Now, there's two types of, of giving And they're just kind of wrapped up in this giving 1.0. And by the way, there's different ways to serve in the church. And we talked about this last week and a lot of things coming up that we want your input and we want your giving because you not only give of your talent and your time and your tithe, those are kind of like the three broad areas everybody talks about, but you give of your tithe, that's your financial resources, you give of your time. And in our day, time may be the hardest thing to get give because we all think that we're so busy and we have to do everything. It is amazing how you think you cannot disconnect and you can disconnect. You know what I did yesterday? I did absolutely nothing. I turned my cell phone off. I didn't check my email. And you know what? I was amazed. The world got along without me just fine. It was my fourth day off this year. It's just been a crazy, busy time. And I just checked out. I was tired and wore out. And so when time is, for me, it's a hard thing to give. And maybe time for you is a hard thing to give. We talk about how every member is a minister. And membership is a commitment to ministry. But we also have different things coming up for you to to give involved in. Let me just give you a couple of those things real quickly. First of all, coming up at the end of April, uh, we have a deep clean, deep fling, clean fling day. And then a work day around outside. We have ChristNet March the 29th through May the 6th. And then we have... A really cool opportunity if you're new to the church, it's Wednesday night summer jam and I bail out of the adults during the summer and I go to teach your children along with this really cool new staff of volunteers and so if you're looking for a way to connect, I lead it and, and, and it's just it's an awesome experience and so uh, come and be a part of it. If you love kids and love working, we need about 20 folks because we take care of tot spot, we take care of of our our preschool kids and we take care of our elementary school and so it's just going to be a great great time want you to sign up you can see on the back of the bulletin a place for you to sign up you need to be givers and give you time as well vacation bible school is another one of those all kind of hands on deck kind of events Christ, let me just say one final word about that. It's you can bring food, you can stay all night with them. There's a chaperone, you can take home laundry to clean. I mean, there is just so many different levels of being able to help in that particular kind of ministry. Okay, enough said about that. There's two different ways 
of, of giving. There's giving 1.0. Giving 1.0 is where you give directly to something that will help someone immediately. It's kind of like the, the tornadoes that happened in the south last year and again just about two weeks ago where there's this real urgent need and you give to either the American Red Cross or you give through the church to help those, that kind of thing. It's giving 1.0. It's giving to something not on a consistent basis. It's probably given more out of emotion and, and because you really feel the hurt and, and, and your heart just kind of tugs for the people that are involved. And that is an, that's a good way to give. We do one-point giving a lot. We don't nickel and dine you to death with a lot of special offerings or 1.0 giving opportunities, but we are all about 1.0 giving. It's not, it, it, we also need 2.0 giving, but we also will not do away with the 1.0 giving. As a matter of fact, at the end of this message, at the end of this service, you'll have an opportunity to do 1.0 giving. We have our Women's Active for Christ. They have a missions provision closet in Nashville, Tennessee. You've heard me explain this now. But it's, it's a great thing because we want you to either give money to get a nice coffee pot, nice cookware, nice linen, nice sheets, nice housewares. So that our missionaries who are either coming home from the mission field or going from home to the mission field can grab those things so they don't have to restart from scratch every time they make a shift every four years from foreign field to states coming home to the United States and then back. It is a wonderful ministry. We have had quilts and gifts and things end up all over the world that our church has given. And so you can give in two ways. Number one, we'll take up an offering after the service and you can have 1.0 giving. You can give to this specific need for this specific situation. People then will shop for you this week. And you got to love that if you don't like to shop like I do. You know, you just got to go, praise the Lord. Somebody loves doing that kind of mess besides, besides me. And so, not besides me, I hate it. All right? It is like, give me a root canal versus a trip to the mall. I take the root canal. All right? But it's the idea of giving. Or you can go out shopping yourself this week, and next week we'll have it all displayed up on front, on front of the stage. And so we'll be taking that offering. At the end, also next week, your children will be getting, and you will be getting, a coin bank. Now, it, times past has just been for our children, but we have a lot of folks who don't have children in our children's ministry. And so the idea is you take a coin bank, and for six weeks... From next Sunday to the last Sunday in April, whatever loose change you come up with at the end of the day, drop it in the box. And it goes to help our missionaries. And our goal is to help our children raise $3,000 for missions in a period of six weeks by dumping your change in it. Now, we don't know if that's close or if that's going to be good, but we want to give out 300 of these boxes. And uh, we're thinking if we can get 10 bucks a piece in each box, you know, you can kind of do the math and it should work out well and so that's an idea of giving 1.0 and we want you to do that and they'll be out next week then there's 2.0 giving 2.0 giving is where you give a percentage of your income to your local church because you believe in it. it's that steady plotting consistent giving that's not driven by guilt or emotion and you know in India I saw giving 1.0 and I saw giving 2.0 done in a beautiful way. India is a very poor country. There's some parts of the country that is booming in its economy, uh, but there are other parts that is just in object poverty. And no matter how poor the villages were, 
they always took up an offering. And then I noticed that as they came to church, they always came with something in their hand or the ladies something in their apron. And they would come with a handful or an apron full of rice. And almost every village church had a 55-gallon barrel that people would give, not their tithes, but their offerings above their giving. They would give a little portion of their rice. And that 55-gallon barrel, they all knew, would go to feed the poor. Isn't that incredible? And so the church has always been about 1.0 and 2.0 giving. Today, I kind of want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 14, verses 22 through 29. And I just kind of want to take us on a little trip through this book. This is one of the first times that the purpose of giving is taught. In other words, how we're to give and why we're to give. It takes care of the how and the why. And there's six things I want to point out in the passage, all right? And I'll read the passage in its entirety, and then we'll go through it just kind of point by point, and we're going to move quickly through it, but here we go. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that the fields produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God at the place that he will choose as a dwelling for his name, so that he will learn to revere the Lord your God always." But if that place is too distant for you, if you've been blessed by the Lord your God and cannot carry your tithe because the place where the Lord has chose to put his name is far away from you, then exchange your tithe for silver and take the silver with you and go to the place the Lord your God will choose. By the way, you see obedience wrapped up in there uh, a lot. Use the silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink, and anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. These people are happy to give. And do not neglect the Levites living in your towns, for they, for they have no allotment nor inheritance in the land. And at the end of every three years, bring all the tithes that the years produce and store in your towns, so that the Levites, who have no allotment or inheritance in the land, and the aliens and the fathers, fatherless, and the widows who live in our towns can come and eat and be satisfied. And so the Lord your God may bless you in all the works of your hand. Now, this verse kind of lays the foundation for the Israelites and their giving. Now, I understand it's the old covenant and we live under the new covenant. I understand it's under law and we live under grace. I get all that. But I do think there is some very universal principles kind of wrapped up in these uh, six or seven verses. Let me just give them to you quickly. First of all, in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 22 through 23, what you see on the screen, you see that there was to be a yearly trip to the holy place. The place that God would, would choose to set up his tabernacle. And then in Jerusalem where the temple would be. And the people who were to take their tithes to that place... And there they were to eat as part of a feast of joy. A couple things I just want to say. That worship is clearly the idea wrapped up in giving. That they were to go to this place where the presence of God was. And there in the presence of God they were to rejoice because of all of the blessings that God has given to them. And so you can see right there that in the, the green will be the... 
kind of the point of each verse. And that the presence of the Lord your God at the place he has chosen as a dwelling for his name. God wants us to come to his place to worship. And he says, bring the tithes. Bring your giving. Bring your gifts. Because worship and giving are intricately hooked together. You can't undo them. You can't say that I'm a you can't say that I'm a I'm a good Christian and not be a giving Christian. You say, Pastor, you don't know how tight it is around my house. I may not, but I do know how tight it was for those folks in India, and they still brought the rice. And so giving is wrapped up with this idea of worship. When I was a kid, when we took up the offering in our church, it was always this time to grab our coat, talk to a friend. It was like all of this other stuff went on as we would take up the offering. It was just kind of like, it was just kind of like this little filler moment. For the Hebrew, when they gave a tenth, there was celebration. When for the Hebrew, when they brought their tithes, it was a time of rejoicing. So the first thing we see is that this thing of, of tithing or of giving and of worship, it's intricately connected together. If you look at the second observation there at the end of t- verse 23, the purpose of tithing was that you may learn to revere the name of the Lord. That you may learn to worship. That giving is an act of worship. Now, let's just be honest. Most of us in this place have given Jesus Christ our life. Amen? Most of us have given him our eternal souls. And we say, Lord, and and just kind of amen so I know I'm not the only weird one in the bunch today. We say, God, you know, I don't understand everything in the Bible, but I still trust you. Amen? And God, I don't understand everything in life, but I still trust you. And God, I don't understand everything in my own mind, but I still trust you. God, I don't understand everything about the future. I don't understand everything about heaven and dying and what happens in the afterlife. But God, I still trust you. So when you come and you give, that is an expression of worship that says, God, I still trust you. And sometimes we're so funny because we say, God, I entrust you with my eternal soul, but I just can't trust you with my weekly income. Isn't that incredible? How we do that. And so the Bible tells us that we give so that we may learn, and it's a learned thing. It doesn't come easy. And I'm telling you, I, I wish I could be one of those televangelists that say, man, if you give, you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. That may preach well in America, but it doesn't do much for my friends who bring rice to put in a barrel in India. You see, there's sometimes when you give, like for Terry and myself, man, there's been many times when we've had to Watch our, our, our spending that week so we could give. There'd be things we would do without so we could give. Because giving is an act of worship. And you learn to trust him. And you learn to revere his name. The third thing that Deuteronomy chapter 14 tells us is that provision was weighed for those 
whose grains was too heavy or the flocks were too many to take to the holy place. In other words, these, these folks were, were kind of well-to-do, and they had a lot of, and you could bring a, a, an oxen, or you can bring your lamb, or you can bring your uh, grain to offer as your tithe. And if that was too arduous, then you could sell that, take the money, go to the place of worship, and substitute that money or exchange that money there for the sacrifice. We see it there in verse 25. Then exchange your tithe for silver and take your silver to go into the place of the Lord your God will choose. The emphasis is not on the giving. The emphasis is on the worship. God is saying, listen, I don't want what's yours. I want your heart. God's not interested in your dollars. God's not interested in just, you know, that say God is interested in your heart. And every time you give your giving back to the Lord, 1.0 giving, 2.0 giving, every time you give that back, it ought to be an affirmation of faith that God say, you say to God, I still trust you. You bless me, I still trust you. I don't understand it all, but I'm still following. We're just kind of like the, the kid in the back seat of the car. When we go, Daddy, are we there yet? And the kid, the father says, nope. And the kid goes, okay. He may ask the question 30 seconds later, but he goes, okay. And he trusts Dad to get him home. Giving is an expression of our trust. It's really this cool thing right here. And in, in, uh, he says the idea of worship. Is, is attached to giving. And that's really what I want you to see in the text, is that worship is attached to giving. Matter of fact, look at, the, look at the next verse. The tithe is not to be totally consumed by the family bringing it. This is so cool. Use the silver to buy it, whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink, and anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord and rejoice. There is this part of when you give, God wants you to benefit from your giving. And you do. When you give here today, when you give to our church, it helps us keep the unromantic things going like lights on and the heat up or down. And by the way, right now we're in the tough season. We don't know whether to turn it up or turn it down. And some of you are fanning and some of you are snuggling and some of you can't make your mind up either. Whether you're, you know, you're up and down. It, it helps us keep the lights on. It, it helps us buy curriculum for our Sunday school classes and our children's ministry. It helps us to do things with our fusion, our teen ministry. It just helps us to do things around church. So you get the blessing of the giving. And that's what he's saying. He's saying do not. Or he said, and there in the presence of the Lord your God rejoice. But look at the next verse. It says, and do not neglect the Levites in your towns. Who's the Levites? That'd be me. Levites were the Old Testament priests. In the New Testament, they were the preachers. They were the apostles. They were the missionaries. They were the church planters. And part of the giving of the local church is to help support the livelihood of, of the pastoral staff. Now, a cool thing is, is we've got two pastoral staff because one guy, and if this is on internet, and I hope he's listening this week, because one guy bailed out on us. We love him. So now we're searching for two guys. One is a, one is a youth man, and you understand that thing that 
that job description is pretty pretty self-explanatory. Anything that has to do with students from college on down, he'll have his hand in it in some way, shape, fashion, or form. But we're also looking to get another pastor because we have been woefully understaffed for years. And when you see the faith financial guide in several weeks when we put it out and then have a meeting to discuss it and answer your questions and look back at the giving from last year but look ahead to not only 2012 but 2013, I think you're going to be excited about some of the big steps of faith that we're taking. But man, we want to bring another guy in. We don't even have a name for this guy. We just call him Pastor What's Up or something. I don't know. It's spiritual formation, but it's so much more than that. It, 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 he'll be, he'll, there's eight systems. This may bore you to tears, but let me just give it to you real quick. There's eight systems that help make a church function. Some of them are overt and you see them. Some of them are behind the scenes and you don't see them. There's systems like assimilation, helping visitors become attenders and attenders become um, regulars and regulars become members and members become involved in Christ and if you've been around the church a long time you can kind of navigate that thing but if you haven't been around here a lot of times we don't make that road sign or that that highway or that road very clear sometimes and so he'll be responsible for that for worship for for evangelism for life groups for uh, stewardship for ministry teams and and there's strategic planning I mean this this kind of this kind of this broad realm that 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 supports or provides the underpinning for what the church does. He'll also have a missions emphasis. One of my goals is to have a mission trip going out from our church once a quarter. Whether it's in our Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. And he'll have a hand in that. Why we still believe that, lay, that mercy ministries are best led by, by lay members. We want him to have a, a part in that. And then... I don't know if you've noticed or not, but it does get, and I, and I, I appreciate y'all getting up a little hour early here uh, to be here today. But man, do you know between from this point last year to this point this year, we're averaging 100 more than we did last year? Isn't that incredible? Now, how are we going to keep growing? Well, this guy's going to come along and dream with me. He's going to be hired because of a vision and not necessarily because of a department or a, or, or a, a clearly defined traditional, you know, baptistic kind of function. Uh, he, it's going to be, he's going to be hired by driven or by vision and he's going to help just kind of get us out there and outside of our box so that maybe we have a multi-site campus or a multi-site church or maybe we, we partner with other churches and do this kind of DVR and shoot the message in and they have their praise and worship team kind of campus church kind of thing. Maybe we, we build and maybe we, we just go into a church planting mode. I don't know what that is. I just know every time I get excited about it and try to study about it and, and then boom, something else comes because we're just understanding it's one of those things that just keeps getting put on the back burner. Your giving helps take care of the pastoral staff. And I'm telling you, I want to take care of our pastoral staff well because I don't want to have to do this pastoral surge every three or four years. Amen? Man, let's take care of our guys. Let's take care of the guy you got and the other guy you got. We need to send him skiing more often, amen? But it was that you take care 
of God's man. By the way, Paul would say the same thing in 1 Timothy. He would say, talking about those who serve the church, those pastors who serve the church. He would say that they're worthy of double honor. The double honor is respect and remuneration. And so you take care of God's men. And you take care of God's family. By the way, one of the reasons I think we, we continue to be blessed is because you guys do take good care of us. And so just as a little encouragement, keep continuing to do that. But that's 2.0 giving stuff. It's not limelight stuff. It's not spotlight stuff. But it's good stuff. It's stuff that will help you. It will stuff that will help your children. It's stuff that will help your teenagers. It's stuff that when you give, you get back from your giving, as we previously studied. Let me give you the final, final two. Fifth, the Bible says that the tithe is designed to not only support the Levites, but also the three most helpless groups in society, the refugees, the orphans, and the widows. And that's the fatherless, the aliens, and the widows. We're to help those who are downtrodden. We are to help the poor, those who are economically disadvantaged. And then finally, the section closes with a promise of blessing of people who are faithful to give. And so the Lord your God may bless you with all the works of your hands. I wish I had six Sundays to go into that and take each one of those on a Sunday. That would just be a tremendous sermon series because there is so much bad preaching on giving. Just this week, you know what I heard? Let me tell you what I heard. I heard a guy do this. I heard a guy preach this. And I think he loves the Lord. I think he's a... A fine fellow, I just think his doctrine is wrong on this. If you've heard these guys on TV do this, would you just amen so I know that, because I don't watch a lot of it because a lot of it is just not good Bible. It's not, you know, one guy was saying, listen, you know, here's 10 $1 bills, okay? And so the guy was saying, "If if you give God $1, he'll give you 10. You ever heard that kind of preaching? You give God 10, he'll give you 100. There you go. You give God 100, he'll give you 1,000. I've always thought if that fella truly believed it, why isn't he on the outside of the church giving people $100 as they come in instead of taking up the money before they go out? Hmm. Because that isn't what the Bible says. The Bible says that giving isn't always easy, but it's always an act of worship. The Bible doesn't say that that God's going to give you a Cadillac because you put your tithe in the offering plate this year or this week. But it does say that God will care for you. I don't know how God cares for you. All I know is in my lifetime, God God has supplied every need. I don't know how to explain it any better than that. Whether we were in college and, and Terry and I were just young and, and newly wed and we didn't have two nickels to rub together. I mean, God just had this way of taking care of us. And we don't drive a Cadillac. Our cars are 12 and 8, 7, something years old. We've been able to help three kids through college. God's just been good. 
By the way, when you help three kids through college, you know, you start off with not having two nickels to rub together. Then you put three kids through college, you still don't have two nickels to rub together. You see, God says this. He says, you give me one out of everything. If you have $10, you give me one. Let's just say these were 10, so now it's 100. God says, you have 100, you give me 10. Let's say that these were $100 bills, and so now you have 1,000. He says, you give me 100. You said, wow, no, it's still the same thing. Because if you can't trust him with the one, you'll never trust him with the ten. And if you can't trust him with the ten, you're not going to trust him with the hundred. It's the same principle. Because we give because we're blessed. And giving is an act of worship. God doesn't have a problem with people who want to give and can't. But he does have a problem with people who can give but won't. We have to really understand this whole concept of giving and tithing. I, I don't remember how many years ago it was, but uh, Rhoda came to me and she said, if you ever need a message on tithing, if you e or a testimony on tithing, if you ever need a testimony on tithing, I've got it, I've got it. And so I called her up this week and I said, do you still got it? She says, yes. So I don't want you just to hear it from me. I want you to hear it from, from Rhoda. She teaches our fifth and sixth grade class down in our children's ring. Would you welcome Rhoda Miller this morning? Hello. Um, I'm Rhoda. Most people know me as Roro, especially your kids. Um, like many of you, I was raised in church, and I heard of tithing all my life, but I never understood what it meant. About five years ago, um, I went through financial devastation. I really did. And it was mostly self-induced. I made some very bad financial decisions, and um, it, it just caught up with me. And I always believed, or I had the thought process that I'd throw 20 bucks in the offering plate when I had it in my purse, or... You know, I give a lot of my time. I take a week off work every year to go on mission trip with the kids. I do as much as I can with them. I'm here, and I felt like I had the thought process that because I did all that, it kind of made up for not tithing all the time or faithfully. Um, after I went through that experience, and I will tell you that I went through that and nobody knew, not one person. I moved out of my home and it was after I moved out of my home that night that I called my parents for the first time and even let them know that that was going on. So I did that because it was out of embarrassment, pride, and I didn't want to hurt their feelings because I just wanted them to believe that I was doing okay, you know. And um, after that, I had to call my family and let them know what was going on. And it was my sister-in-law, Erica, who just um, came in and really helped me understand what it was to be um, a faithful steward of God's money and to be a faithful tither. And um, I started reading through the Bible, and in Proverbs 11:24 it says, One gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. That was me. 
I was not prayerful in my tithing, and I had been blessed. I have always been blessed. God has truly blessed me. I have worked since the day I graduated, and I know for many of you, especially nowadays, that's not the case. People are looking for jobs. God has truly kept me blessed with a wonderful family. Erica came in, and she went through everything. And any of you that know Erica, you know she is a true steward of God's money, man. She knows what to do. And um, she's tough. <laughs> and she started out with what I made, what I had to pay. And she right away was like, Rhoda, very first thing, you have got to give this 10%. You have to. And so I started doing that. And at first it was because Erica said so. Okay, and then I started praying about it more and more, and um, I really started seeing blessings in my life, and things happen, and God made changes, and um, somebody in this church just, and I don't know who, but blessed me in a way that they will never understand or even know, and it was not by the gift that was given, but that they just spiritually took me to a new level for God. And I had started praying about my tithing and praying of how much more can I give to God. And I realized that it is not about me. And anything I have, I have a home now. I have recovered, and I try really hard to be a steward like Erica, but I'm not quite where she is because she's really good. But um, <laughs> I just know that my life is God's. Everything I have is God's. And so many people came through and were there for me when it was finally talked about, about what had happened and what I had went through. And um, I just want to thank those people, but more importantly, God. And the most important thing that I try to live for now is to be a 2 Corinthians 9-7 giver. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I realized then and, and now what I try to do and what I pray to be is the most cheerful giver, not only financially, but with everything I have. God has given me wonderful blessings. I, I thank you all. I thank this church for letting me be with your children the amount that I am. I, am, uh, I have no children of my own. And some people say uh, stuff to me, and I say, hey, I've got like a hundred, <laughs> really. And I'm with them, and I love them. And I just really challenge you to be a Second Corinthians 9-7 giver. Thank you. <laughs> That's good. You know, there's a lot of reasons that I give. I understand the principle of the giver, or the principle of the gift. The principle of the gift says that the blessing always goes to the giver of the gift than the recipient of the gift. The Bible is so rich and full about what it tells us about giving. But giving comes from a heart that's committed not to giving a percentage or a dollar sign but it comes from a heart that is committed to worship. And whenever I worship my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it just moves me to wonder 
about his greatness, his majesty, his power, his, his majestic display of splendor, and yet he loves you. And how can you not but worship a God 